Get ready, loosen those vocals up, Tubbs. Here it comes. Marshall's still going. Marshall's got Richards coming up outside. Now inside. It's a dipping finish, but I think that Sally Pierce has got there. Oh, you great save. save again by Schwartz. save. Wonderful save. That's not a try, that's a miracle. Uh, out good. You're listening to the Crowd Catch. Buckle up as we dive in to all things sport. There's a Crowd Catch. And I think he's dropped his beard. Josh Hazelwood loves the top of off stump and he also loves the Crowd Catch. So much so that he decided to join us for episode 28 of the Crowd Catch. We are so stoked to be able to bring this uh, chat with you. Hang around for another 10 minutes or so to tune into one of Australia's top fast bowlers. But uh, before we get into that, my name is Zachary Gates and joining me as per usual, uh, Jack Howard. How are you doing, buddy? Yeah, very well, thanks. I think Josh would be the third best cricketer to appear on this podcast after you, yourself and this other co-host we have. <laughs> Come on, mate. You've cracked that joke a few times this year. And... Uh, also joining us here for episode 28 is Jimmy the Jet, James Coleman. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, good, mate. I'll concede defeat to Josh and say he's probably the second best behind yourself there, Gates. <laughs> Thanks very much, mate. Don't uh, say that again because my head might get a little bit too big. <laughs> but um, one man whose head is getting very big is Jack Howard because he thought it would be a great idea to introduce a new segment to the podcast called, uh, what's it called, Jack? Mate, well, we put it all in the intro. It's a What's My Sport. Really excited to get to it. But before we move forward, we should always take a look back on the week that was with what caught my eye. So it's a great question. We'll hit it straight to Jimmy. Jimmy, what caught your eye this week? Well, this week, uh, there was a fair bit of rugby played this week. Um, and it wasn't the rugby uh, results itself that, uh, that caught my eye. Um, it was the points scored. So in two big rugby union tests that were played of the weekend, obviously there was Australia versus Argentina, which ended in a 15-all draw, and uh, France versus Scotland, which uh, France won at 22-15. to 15. But um, of a total of 67 points in those two games, only one try was scored and there were 20 penalty goals. Um, you know, the, I think that's pretty crazy. There's a lot of chat about rugby sort of fading into the background and you know, we've seen the way the Big Bash is uh, changing their sport, basically making it a, a game show. So, you know, um, it's pretty crazy to see rugby, two international games, only one try and 20 penalty goals. Well, ironically enough, a lot of rugby fans uh, refer to AFL as aerial ping pong. But I think they may have to have a good hard <laughs> look at themselves in the mirror moving forward. Look, mine was also on the rugby field, rugby league field, though. Of course, we are all diehard New South Welshmen. But we need to um, tip our hat to Queensland. What a fantastic win. A huge underdog effort from start to finish. Um, I, I'm not sure what they were paying for the series, but it must have been a fair bit. And look, I'll be honest, I didn't even consider it when I was putting my bets on at the start of the series. And I'm sure most rugby league fans weren't either. It was a fantastic display. It's been a very tough year for Queensland rugby fans. We've not a single team in the top eight, but that was a, something huge to cheer for in front of 50,000 fans. So... I tip my hat to the Queenslanders. Enjoy that one. And a lovely way to seal it off with Daly Cherry Evans. Take a listen. And on behalf of the worst ever Queensland team, thank you very much. I'll tip my hat, of course, to the Maroons as well, but also the bartenders up in Byron Bay for having to put up with another Cameron <laughs> Munster bender. He yeah, was uh, enjoying another 
uh, through and through rampage, uh, the champion Maroons and Melbourne Storm 5-8. But boys, as for what caught my eye, that was Alyssa Healy smashing a century off 48 balls in the WBBL on Sunday. So 99 and pulls it to mid-wicket. It'll go for four and bring up her fourth WBBL 100. Well played. She hit 15 fours and six sixes on her way to a final score of 111 of 52 balls. And boys, how about this? She now owns four of the top five scores in WBBL history. Ash Gardner still holds the record, which is 114, but Healy has made 112 not out, 111, 106 not out, and 106. It was also great to see her, her husband, uh, Mitchell Stark in the North Sydney Oval stands cheering it on. I'm hoping he took some notes and is ready to test the Indians' tickers with some big lower order hitting. She might have been getting some phone calls from yourself, Zachary, there and some batting tips the way she's been going. Unfortunately not, although uh, if she had jumped on the blower to me, I'll tell you what, I would have invited her onto the podcast. She is uh, a superstar <laughs> of Australian sport and um, let's chuck her in the book. Let's chuck her in the bank. It would be great to get her on. But Jack, I believe it's uh, your turn to wheel out your new segment, mate. Oh, you're very excited for this, aren't you, Zachary? And uh, we all <laughs> should be. I got you boys to send in a little bit of singing over the weekend. So I put together another intro. Take a listen. What's my sport? What's my What's my, what's my, what's my, what's my sport? What's my sport? Boys, if any of us fail in our pursuits in our sports media, worry not because we'll be able to go down the path of singing. Susan Boyle, I'll tell you what, she would be very proud, very impressed. Susan Boyle, that's your go-to singer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, she once uh, stole the show on Britain's Got Talent, didn't she? Mate, we don't we don't need to picture who you listen to in the bathtub, mate. But we're uh, <laughs> moving forward. Yes, that's it though. What's my sports now? This is a very simple theory behind this new segment we're rolling out. We will play a snippet from a random sporting competition anywhere in the world, and everyone has to simply. Have a punt to see what sport it is. Boys, it's pretty easy. Who wants to kick us off for the very first instalment of What's My Sport? Shotgun. Shotgun at kicking us off, taking the inaugural What's My Sport. Radio boys, give this a listen and let's see what you think. Pretty high scoring match. 20 goals in the first 18 minutes and that's finally a turnover for Denmark. Mortensen out of the wing for Sven. Little dummy back inside and now... Denmark will just slow it down again. I'll have the first crack there and say European handball. I was also thinking European handball for 20 goals. Um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow him in the battle. European handball. <laughs> well, boys, let's take a listen. Good uh, comeback by France. They're very quick to cover what was going to be a fast break goal otherwise because both teams like to play quick handball. Well <laughs> hey! oh, done, boys. Get in the segment off to a fly. Great get. Yeah, that was... Um, the gold medal match at Rio Olympics, actually. Uh, Denmark took on France. The Danes won at 28-26. Uh, what a great sport, by the way. Just, I love it. I used to love playing it in PE. I haven't heard of it in a very long time, but uh, really well done there, Zachary. Uh, first points for you. And I'll take them as well. I'll kick off next, boys. What's my sport? Well, what's the New Zealander do? He's He's gone on his backhand now. 
been interesting because every time he's played this backhand, he's been wide all the time throughout this match. Coleman, is it squash? What are you going with, Zachary? Table tennis. Let's take a listen. Well, what's the New Zealander do? He's He's gone on his backhand now. Been interesting because every time he's played this backhand, he's been wide all the time throughout this match. He hasn't played too many bowls. It's lawn bowls. <laughs> 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 of course, your backhand lawn bowl. Should have known. Should have known. One of the classics. Oh. Classic moves in lawn bowls. Very good. All right, boys, and I'll, I'll round us out. Are you ready? All right. She's up and about. Has she got beyond the world record? Oh. The Wonder Woman from Warsaw. It sounds like you've stopped a mid-air there. <laughs> <laughs> the Wonder Woman from Warsaw. Which sport am I talking about? Warsaw is, of course, the capital of Poland. Um, I'm trying to think of a sport where she'd be in the air for long enough for him to hold his, hold his speech there. I'm going to go hop, step and jump. No. I'm going to go... What's the like long jump but skiing like aerial long jump like where they go down that massive hill and then shoot off the ramp and oh the Eddie the eagle down yeah, water down water skiing I mean <laughs> down, <laughs> down downhill skiing sorry no, not not downhill skiing where they go off the ramp downhill where they just do like the little zigzag well either either way mate you're wrong it was yeah. actually the women's hammer throw. <laughs> it was the women's hammer throw final at uh, the 2016 Rio Olympic Games. Boys, wasn't that a great laugh? And uh, listeners, don't go away now. Stick around because Josh Hazelwood is up next. All right, joining us now for another instalment of Zoom Beers brought to you by VB is the Bendemir Bullet, the one and only Josh Hazelwood. Josh, mate, welcome to the crowd catch. No worries. Thanks, guys. Uh, Josh, mate, first and foremost, a year like no other. What's it been like on the sidelines for most of it? And uh, how was it to finally get back out in the middle? Uh, yeah, it was obviously a, a long wait through the lockdown. Um, but, yeah, that seems like a long time ago now. We've been on the road for, I think, best part of three months um, in this different world. So a lot of time in hotel rooms and obviously a lot of time at career grounds, which has been great. It's been able to get out there and, and play. And, um, yeah, for different teams here and there. But, um, yeah, the last three months have been really busy. When the bowlers uh, eventually get together, Josh, of course, it's yeah, unknown whether the Adelaide test goes ahead, but um, when the bowlers eventually get together for that first test, how much uh, planning do you think will go into uh, negating Chiteshwar Pajara's impact? Um, yeah, probably quite a lot. Uh, we obviously spent a fair bit of time on, on all the players, but obviously the senior players most of all. And um, we've seen quite a few young guys coming through the IPL and obviously played with and against in the last sort of seven or eight weeks, but... Uh, yeah, the sort of senior test guys will will sort of touch up on our notes from uh, from two years ago and see what works and see what didn't and see what fields we can um, manipulate and um, it, it does come down to a lot a lot of the time it's top of off with the occasional bouncer but um, yeah things do change for certain batters and um, we'll weigh it up in the next couple of weeks. Is there someone in particular you're looking forward to throwing some down to? Um, I always love bowling to Bajara. To be fair, he's it's such a good challenge. Um, it can be quite draining from time to time, but um, he loves facing loves facing balls and, and loves scoring runs against us. He's done quite well. So, um, I mean, it's such a big impact when you get, obviously, their three and four out. Um, you know, it's perfect. And, and Josh, obviously, you're coming off such a long layoff. Has it been a bit of a blessing in disguise for yourself and, and Starkey and, I guess, Pat to finally get on top of some of these ongoing niggles and have a good rest up? 
Uh, yeah, it can sort of work both ways sometimes. Um, a good rest can obviously put you in a good good space of mind mentally and, and physically, um, getting ready for a big, you know, a big onslaught throughout the summer. But at the same time, you know, you can get really stiff if you're sitting in hotel rooms and different things and, and not being able to get out and do too much. So it's a um, bit of a cast 22 but I think, you know, most of the boys are feeling pretty good at the moment. It's all been white ball cricket um, the last few months. So it's um, physically, I think everyone's in a pretty good place. And I guess it's just the challenges outside of cricket at the moment, um, how best to deal with them and, and move forward. Provided the Adelaide test does go ahead, Josh, how excited are you and uh, the other fast bowlers to finally get the chance to use the pink ball under lights against this star Indian batting lineup for the first time? Yeah, I guess it's, um, you know, timing's timing's a big thing in the pink ball test and it's obviously about getting that new ball as the lights come on and, and come into effect. So it's um, it can be hard work if you have a, a relatively older ball during the day sessions. Um, it can be hard work as a quick, but obviously it's, you know, it's always looking forward to that night session and the game can move really quickly in that space um, in those two hours. So... If we can get those guys um, in fresh under lights with the new ball, um, that's obviously happy days for us. But um, it can become a bit of a grind through the day. So it's um, it's an interesting way that test actually ebbs and flows. And, um, yeah, it can, can really hinge on that night test sometimes. There's a fair bit of competition. This, well, there always is in the fastballing cartel for Australia. But this year in particular, there's a lot of people knocking down the door. Does that give you a bit of a leg up to form at your best? Yeah, it does. Um, it's always good. Obviously, we've got the three guys um, that have always been there the last sort of four or five, six years. But Pato's always breathing down our neck at, um, at this stage. And he's he's a fantastic test bowler and starting to play some good white ball cricket as well. And um, played really well for Mumbai in the last um, few weeks. So um, And some really good young guys coming through. We had Riley Meredith on the last England tour. And um, obviously, Jai Richardson's coming back from injury. People like that. So it's um, Shawnee Abbott's been going really well for New South. So it's, it's good to have um, some really good depth there and um, some good pace options. And, and they're all quite different as well. And um, that's always good for an attack to have a bit of variation. And um, yeah, hopefully they get their chance at some stage, but hopefully not in my place. <laughs> <laughs> and you touched on their white ball form. Of course, we will see some white ball cricket first. Uh, for yourself, uh, you, you played your first Big Bash game early this year and you broke back into the T20 side. Uh, how, I guess, important it is for you to make sure that you cement both your white ball form with your red ball form, Josh? Yeah, it's a, it's always a challenge. Um, I mean, we don't get many opportunities to sort of play a shield game in between or anything like that and get ready for test cricket. It's sort of jumping from one format to the next and... That can be a challenge um, for batters and bowlers. Um, some adapt better than others, but, um, yeah, it's obviously a different game, a different format, and you bowl a little bit differently. I mean, I bowl uh, quite a lot up front in, in one-day cricket, so it's not too much of a change for me. Rather, you know, other guys are going from Yorkers and style balls to, to good length, so it's quite challenging at times, but, um, yeah, it's just part and parcel of, of international cricket. For the first time uh, since I can remember, at least, Josh, you boys will be playing a full ODI series and T20 series before you go into the test matches. Do you expect uh, to, I guess, establish some exciting, some really intriguing battles with some of India's batsmen uh, in the shorter formats leading into the test series? Uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely see that. Um, the Their batting lineup is, you know, 
a fair few of their top six do play all the formats. Um, probably only Pujara and maybe Rahana who don't. So um, there's an opportunity there to sort of try and get on top of a few of the younger guys, especially potentially on their first trip to Australia. Um, so just the extra bounce, extra pace, you know, hopefully can, I guess, create a few scars there and get on top, get on top of them in, out in the middle. So um, it, it is interesting. Um, usually we obviously start with the test matches, but um, coming in nice and fresh for some white ball cricket, which is something different. And um, I know it's something that I enjoy, so hopefully the other quicks as well. What about with the batter? A bit of a shorter form. You, how are you feeling with the batter? They're going to hit a few over the rope. <laughs> uh, I always say in wild ball cricket If I'm not batting The team's going pretty well So hopefully it stays that way <laughs> Well speaking of batting Josh Of course uh, yourself But uh, Pat and uh, Starkey I mean they're both in the top 10 all-rounders For test match cricket How much time do they spend in the nets Working on their batting? Yeah quite quite a lot to be honest uh, We all do to be fair um, Lino included We uh we always seem to face um, net bowlers, and if it's not net bowlers, it's, it's coaches with the, with the side arms. Um, so th- there's always opportunity there to work on, on our batting, and, and it's good. You know, IPL teams as well, there's a lot of net bowlers and um, a lot of good spinners, um, quality spinners and quicks. So it's, it's always good to have an opportunity to bat and, and keep working on it. So um, you're always going to be required at some stage, so it's, it's um, put in the hard work. When you guys are batting, is there a part-time and you guys go after it? Or, you know, a Labashane or Smithy that you try and tonk back over his head? Or? <laughs> uh, definitely Marnus. Definitely Marnus. He, um, he'll be bowling the nets the whole time. So he's really keen to get the tail out as well. So anything he tosses up, we just try and hit out of the park. <laughs> well, Josh, I guess we'll, we'll move on from, I guess, uh, talking about the Indians and the summer just to yourself. Uh, obviously, um, a couple of years ago when JL took over the team, he announced you as one of his vice-captains. Um, how big of a moment was that for you personally? Uh, yeah, it was... Oh, I guess it was It was reasonably big. Um, nothing changed from mine, to be honest. I, um, I guess I behaved the same. I went about my cricket the same on and off the field and just having a, a tag next to your name, I guess, doesn't really change the way you go about things. Um, that's probably how you get to that position in the first place is just going about your business and others are, are sort of following suit. So it's, um, yeah, it was, it was something different and it didn't last long, but um, there's been a bit of a curse there with the vice captain next to a few people's names. But um, obviously Paddy's doing a, a good job now and he's quite a young guy, so he's learning quickly. Josh, my last question is uh, with this ICC Test Championship, obviously the, uh, I guess the points have been tallying up in the shadows, really. A lot of people seem to forget it's taking place. Has there been much talk about it in the squad? Are you guys keeping an eye on that tally? Uh, yeah, we certainly certainly are. Um, I guess it's a added layer to the to whenever you're playing Test cricket now, and um, it's not just about the win and the and the Test. Sorry, in the series win, it's about the championship as well. And um, I think us, ourselves in India are, are pretty well ahead at the moment, and. I mean, it'd be pretty awesome to go to Lords and, and play India uh, on a wicket that's doing a bit uh, with a Duke ball, hopefully, and um, be able to knock those guys over over there. So, um, yeah, it's pretty exciting. It's, it's something different, and everyone's pretty excited about it. Of course, the Test Championship was originally introduced to, I guess, add more significance to Test cricket and combat the rise of the shorter formats. Do you feel, do you get a genuine sense that um, it actually really has brought more significance to Test cricket? I think it... I think it certainly has at, at stages. Um, I mean, the big series, they, they speak for themselves. It's probably more if you've already won a series and there's still a, an extra test match to go. Um, 
that sort of helps you get up for it and, and make it significant to get those points, those extra points um, that head towards that test championship. So it's certainly always at the back of your mind and it's obviously the first time it's been around. It'd be awesome to, to not only be in the final, but to, to win it as well. Awesome. Well, hopefully a good summer and that's basically booked our ticket to England. And as you <laughs> said, uh, to get us in India, two teams are so formidable on home soil at Lords. It's um, It'd be a dream come true and a lot of late nights in Australia for all of us, I'm sure, Josh. But, uh, mate, we'll, we'll leave it there. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast and uh, we're wishing you all the best this summer. We'll be right behind you every step of the way. No worries. Thanks, guys. Great to have a chat uh, with Joshy Hazelwood there over some Zoom beers. Great insight, especially uh, some of the chat inside the Nets. Could have picked Mana, so that doesn't surprise me at all. But moving on from one of Australia's best bowlers to one of Australia's best bands, Jack, play the tune. That's right. Red Light, Green Light is back. The place where we debate the hot topics and chew each other's heads off. Um, I'll kick us off this week, boys, up with mine. Keeping on the rugby league theme as we end into the rugby league season, moving to cricket. All the talk is about Cam Smith. What's happening? I'm saying Cameron Smith can't stay at the storm because of the rise of Harry Grant. Red light, green light. It's green light for me. Uh, I think he'd be holding him back now or he'd be hurting his club, which he, I think, wrote about in a snippet of his book that was made public this week saying that, uh, he's not going to hurt the uh, long-term future for one more year. So I thought Harry Grant is definitely the answer. Um, and Bellamy, as he always does, he, he just gets him playing at the right time to, I guess, replace his heroes. He's done it to date with Slater and with Kronk and a couple of his big forwards and so on. So Harry Grant's the future there. What does that mean for Cameron Smith? I can't see him playing at any other club because I don't think he'll be able to hide as well. And I think he'll if he went to somewhere like the Titans, he'd be solely responsible for their losses. And I think it could really hurt his legacy. Boys, it's uh, it's also a green light for me. Um, Cameron Smith can't stay at the Storm because and not only because of the rise of Harry Grant, who will be heading back to Melbourne, but also because of the rise of the Kiwis hooker, Brandon Smith. And as you said, Jack, he mentioned in that snippet of the autobiography, which was uh, released this week, that if it means stalling the progress of either Harry Grant or Brandon Smith, he's not going to stay at Melbourne. Um I disagree with you on the other hand, Jack, in you saying that you don't see him playing on on at another club. I think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that he will play on uh, at the Gold Coast Titans next year. For one, his kids are enrolled in school on the Gold Coast. And for two, he's just bought a brand new shiny schmick pad on the Glitter Strip. So I'm saying Cameron Smith will be playing at the Gold Coast Titans next year. Yeah, look, well, um, all the cars are gone because it's three green lights here, but um, I can't say too much more. You guys have, you guys have pretty much hit the nail on the head, I think. You know, he, he's just going to be holding the storm back if he stays another year with Harry Grant and Brendan Smith. And then if he goes to the Titans, he's probably going to have a shocker and it might hurt his legacy. But I think just on that, um, his legacy speaks for itself. If he has one bad year at the Titans, he won't be remembered for that. He'll be remembered for what he did at the storm. But uh, yes, I think 2021, we won't see Cameron Smith at the Storm. Well, from all three green lights, we'll go on to mine and see if I can get a similar result either way. We can get a bit of a debate going on here, boys. Red light or green light, should David Warner have a seat at the table when the selectors pick his opening partner for this test summer? 
That is a red light for me. And uh, this is what I like to say. I'm sure the selectors never asked Glenn McGrath if he would rather uh, pair up with Shane Warne or Stuart McGill. And on the other hand, I'm sure the selectors never asked Shane Warne if he would rather go into uh, a test match bowling with uh, Glenn McGrath, Jason Gillespie or Michael Kasparich. I'm, I'm sure neither of them would have had a say. Shane Warne was picked because of his own outstanding individual bowling ability and the same went for Glenn McGrath. And once they were both in the team together in the 90s, they just happened to turn into, develop into one of the most potent bowling duos in Test Match cricket history. So it's a red light for me. I, I think, you know, of course, Warner picks himself. He's at the top of the order and Will Pogovsky on, on the back of two double centuries in the Sheffield Shield. I think he picks himself with that outstanding form. And then you just hope that they can blossom into, into having a fantastic opening partnership themselves. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm actually going to go green light. I think what's, what's the harm in letting David have a little bit of a say. I'm not saying Warner picks his teammate. I'm not saying Warner picks who he's going to open with the, at the end of the day, the decision still is going to come down to the selectors. But what's, what's the harm in letting Warner say who he would prefer to bat with? If you're thinking, you know, the opening partnership is so pivotal. And um, if, he, if he thinks he's going to bat better with someone at the crease, that's going to help the team. Not necessarily if the selectors pick someone that he's not necessarily going to gel with, that their batting styles might not line up with, that they might clash at the crease. So I'm not saying give Warner the, the final call, but what's, what's the harm in just asking him, who would you prefer? If you had to pick it, it might not end up going that way. It might end up going that way. They might pick who he thinks, but he might pick Will Puskowski. Who knows? But um, yeah, I think there's no harm in letting him have a say, I think. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he's our most capped player. He's got the most test runs of any Australian. And um, there's no doubt um, he is a flat track bully, particularly against a subcontinent and uh, will play a very pivotal role in this upcoming series. I also agree what's the harm in asking him. And I felt that one thing the Australian cricket team has done poorly until the selection of George Bailey as a selector is they keep picking yester-era blokes to select on a game which has developed and come such a long way since their stint. So I don't think there's anyone who knows these current crop of players better than blokes who face them in the nets or blokes who are on the nets batting next to them or face them uh, in shield games and sit down with the bowls and try and work out ways to get them out and then stand at mid-off and see if that has worked or not worked. So I think moving forward, Australia needs to get a lot more youth and, and have blokes who know their game inside and out. And the best way to do that is to play with or against them. So I'm, I'm big for Yes Warner to have a discussion in, in, in this series uh, over who gets to open with him. But I'm also big for more selections like George Bailey and, and blokes who are very fresh off the pitch or maybe still on it without any, I guess, Australian hopes of their own to play a bigger role in picking our team. David Warner has already had his say on who he wants to open the batting with, and that man is Joe Burns. Uh, he did say, though, at the same time, that if Will Pogoski happens to be picked, um, he'll back him all the way and, until, of course, you know, do his best to take him under his wing and, um, and allow that new partnership to thrive. My worry is that... Um, you know, you can harp on all you like about how well Warner and Burns combined at the top of all, at the top of the order uh, in the 1920 Australian Test summer, but 
a partnership will only work if you're both upholding your end of the bargain. And I believe the top score Joe Burns has scored in this Sheffield Shield season is 29. You, know, you can harp on all you like about um, the importance of chemistry in a partnership. But if, if one bloke at one end is getting out for a duck or soaking up 40 balls to score eight runs and then getting out, it's not doing much for the partnership, is it? It's making Warner look good, though, so that may come into account when he takes his pick. But, look, we'll move it there, Zachary. We'll go all night on this one, I'm sure. But uh, finish us off. All righty, mates. And uh, we're not changing sports. We are staying within the world of cricket. Um, this is my red light, green light. AB de Villiers is the greatest T20 cricketer ever. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? I read a very good article about this on the wide world of sports, Zachary. Very well written. Thank you very much, mate. I was about to say who wrote that. It uh, must have been a pretty good journal. No, look, it was. And it's a very good point raised um, that obviously A.B. de Villiers is the greatest T20 batsman, but it's hard. He, he didn't get a whole career playing there. Uh, I think there's a lot of blokes who played in the back end of their 2020 career who you would have loved to have seen blossom and play in this new era of cricket. Um, and there's a lot of other names you could probably throw up. So, I'm going to throw up a name who I think's probably had the biggest influence on the game today, and it's not a batsman. It's Alassif Malinga with his Yorkers. Uh, he's got an incredible amount of hat tricks, and uh, I remember him playing in the Big Bash once and getting figures of seven for six or six for seven in an incredible mm. uh, display of bowling. And the I Melbourne think Stars. Yeah, I think um, I think the Big Bash is at the end of the day a game for batsmen, and I think when a bowler can uh, you know shine as as much as he did. I think he definitely needs to be in the conversation. Yeah, I, I tend to agree there, Jack. And that I think it's hard to call someone the greatest player um, of T20 cricket because obviously cricket, you've got two sides, the batter and the bowler. Um, so it's hard to say that, you know, the batsman's work out in the pitch outweighs uh, bowlers outwork on the pitch. Um, and also, you know, you've got other names like, you know, Chris Gale, who's just an absolute live wire of T20 cricket and he has fans all around the world and done done so much for T20 cricket and raising its popularity as well um, and you know the debate for who's the greatest of a sport will rage on forever there'll never be a single answer they'll never land on one play you'll never get one um, but not to take anyone anything away from AB I think he's an absolutely fantastic player but um, yeah, to call him the single greatest uh, is a pretty big call well, while we're debating whether A.B. de Villiers specifically is the greatest T20 batsman ever is because Simon Caddish came out whenever it was and said that um, A.B. de Villiers is, in his eyes, the greatest T20 cricketer ever. I'm giving that a red light. And uh, I'm not going to sit on the fence like you two boys. I'm going to go gung-ho here and say the universe boss, Chris Gale, is the undisputed greatest T20 cricketer of all time. I think all you got to do is look at his stats, all right? An average of 38.26, 13,584 runs, 22 centuries, if you don't mind, and a strike rate of 146.72. I think when you, in particular, look at his weight of runs and how many centuries he scored, it's Chris Gale first and Daylight second. Oh, well, I'm, I'm sure Mel McLaughlin may have other thoughts on that one, Gates. But no, look, the universe, of course. Uh, and, and incredibly for Chris Gale, he's still doing it. Uh, I, I thought his career ended six years ago and long and behold, yeah. he's still stealing headlines yeah. and, and tonking the uh, palms last year. That was fantastic to see. And it looks like he can still do it long into the future. Yeah, mate, you say he's still doing it. He's still doing it at the age of 41. And it was in uh, the latest, uh, it was in the 2020 IPL tournament that he became the first cricketer ever to reach 1,000 uh, T26s. And in another indication of just how dominant he has been in T20 cricket, he has scored 1,001 sixes. 
next most is Kieran Pollard. I think we mentioned this um, <laughs> a few weeks ago on the podcast. His countryman, Kieran Pollard, is next most on 694. That is more than 306s behind. I'll tell you what, he's a force to be reckoned with. Uh, well, you'd say a thinking man would have probably made the uh, question, is Chris Gale the best 2020 player <laughs> we've ever seen? But look, Zachary, that's okay. I'm sure you've been uh, saving all your, all your brainwaves for this next thing as we jump into your old favourite part of the podcast. I've been saving those in my brainwaves. And ladies and gentlemen, pull out the brainwaves because it's time for trivia. Well, ladies and gentlemen, he put in an incredible performance in the 2009 NRL Grand Final, scoring a try, in fact, and fingers crossed he can uh, put in an equally impressive performance in trivia on episode 28 of the Crowd Catch. I'm talking to none other than Huey Huey Moi Moi. How are you, mate? Yeah, lovely boys. How are we all going in, uh, in another week of paradise? Yeah, we're doing we're doing fantastic. Same as I like the paradise pun you, you threw in there, the 09 run. Well, mate, it's, it's dream days. <laughs> mate, it will be dream days if you can uh, be walking home with a limited edition signed crowd cap stubby cooler, scientifically proven to make your beer taste 50% better. How does that sound? Since episode one, I've been I've been hanging out. Like I'm I'm ready to to steal off you guys. Do what I mean. So please, please hit me. Fantastic, mate. Well, I wish you all the best. As you would know, being a very loyal listener of the podcast, you have the choice now of playing either who's taller, who's played more games, or true or false. Huey, Huey, Moi Moi, what is your pick? Uh, I'm going to go for, for true or false. I'm going to I'm going to back Matias and my F. So let's see how we go. Mate, all I've got to say is you are a very smart man because it's clearly the best game of the three. Number one, Glenn Stewart won the 2011 Clive Churchill medal. True or false? I'm going to say true. And he is off and away. Hey, one from one. (laughs) Question two, the Sydney Swans beat the Geelong Cats to win the 2005 AFL Grand Final. Oh, that is false. Indeed, it is false. You're pretty confident about that. Who did the Swans beat, mate? Uh, I think they beat West Coast, mate. And uh, Leo Leo Barry took a mark to, to kill the game right at the end. He definitely did. Deep in defence to uh, bring home the Swans' first premiership in 72 years. It was, as a budding, as a passionate Swans fan, it was a great day to be alive. Question three, mate. You're on a roll. Lauren Jackson won five WNBL MVP awards. Oh, it's, it's right, in, right in the alley. Hopefully, uh, I'm going to get the truck. It's false. Oh. <laughs> three from three. Mate, she, won, she did win five. She won four. So, well done there. Number four, you're getting closer to that limited edition stubby cooler, mate. The only major Greg Norman won was the Open Championship, also known as the British Open. I'm going to say false. Sorry, mate, but that's where the fun ends. Oh, oh, no. Oh, well. The only major Greg Norman won was indeed the Open Championship, which he won in 1986 and 1993. Oh, wow. Can you believe that? And so, Huey, uh, you've got a trivia question for us now, I think. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll reel it off. Um, just with the great Don boys, we all know his uh, test average, but how many wickets did he take in his test career? Nice, Gary! Seven. Oh dear! Will that come back to haunt him? 
on. Oh, oh no! You gotta take it! Oh, what a delivery! 28. Oh, goodness me. That was never gonna be good. Man, that is kind to a batsman. Two boys, so... Uh, Two. Good effort, but you know, just like me, came up a bit short. Fantastic. Well, mate, it was awesome to have you on. So thanks for joining us, but uh, we're going to continue on. And uh, mate, enjoy the next edition of the Crowd Catch. I might kick straight in, boys. Um, go and try and crack my bad form, and let's see if you guys can continue rolling on with some wrong answers in the meantime. Who were the four Australians who retired during the 06-07 Ashes? Oh, what a delivery! Shane Warne, Glenn McGrath, Justin Langer, Damien Martin. Damien Martin was meant to be the trick there. Of course, he retired three before the other three matches before the end of the series. Zachary, you've hit the nail on the head. Just on Damien Martin, boys. I follow him on Facebook and Instagram. I'm not sure if you do. I'm not sure if any of our listeners do. But if you don't, go ahead and follow him on Facebook and Instagram because he is... He is a very colourful man. He is a very different cat. You will you will get a daily laugh out of him if you go and do that. But Jack, your next question, mate. <laughs> Radio, I'll, uh, I'll have to give him a follow. Radio, what's an albatross mean in golf? Oh, what a delivery! A hole in one on a par five. No. Oh! It's under par. Three under par. Yeah, it is. It's three, three under par. It goes birdie, eagle, albatross. That's why I yeah. have to do some math. Zachary, if you said you hit a hole in one on a par four, yeah, you would have technically been correct because that would have been three under par. Well done, Jimmy. You work your way down. Yeah, I've been playing. I've been playing a bit of golf lately, boys, as well. That was in my wheelhouse. Have you hit any albatrosses? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. I mean, you've been playing a bit of golf, and I'm guessing you've been doing a bit of snorkeling, diving into the lake to pick up all your balls. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely lost a few balls in the past few weeks, that's for sure. Well, mate, on the back of that fluke, how about you take it, <laughs> take it away with your two questions, big fella? Just quickly, I might give a score up. That that takes Zachary to 23, Jimmy to 27, and myself to 31. So my um, comfortable lead's not so comfortable anymore. Mm. Well, I've got two gettable ones here for you boys. A uh, little bit of a bit of a have you been paying attention theme this week. The NBA draft. Who was the number one pick? Nice, Gary! Lamel Ball. Incorrect. Oh, no! He was number three. I don't follow basketball in the slider, so I'm not even going to be able to give you a name. I'll pass. Can I, I, thought... phone, a, can I phone a friend? Can I do that? Can I phone a friend? No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, we're your only two friends. Who are you going to call? <laughs> <laughs> Eddie McGuire has we're laid down the law. Eddie has laid down the law. Uh, it was Anthony Edwards who was drafted to the Minnesota Timberwolves. I thought one of you boys might have seen that across your Facebook feeds. Anyway, continuing on, the Super League Grand Final is on this weekend. Who are the two teams playing in the Grand Final? Nice, Gary! Wigan and Leeds. Oh, oh, no! oh, what a delivery! St. Helens and Wigan. Spot on there, Zachary. Nicely done. Thanks, mate. I will fire off mine now. These are both cricket related. Of course, we are punched for the first ODI set to be played between the Aussies and the Indians of the SCG on Friday. Uh, so let's get ourselves in the mood. Question one, Nathan Lyon and one other man are locked on 390 test match wickets. Who was that other player? 
Nice, Gary! I guessed him with your old man's question, so if I keep throwing his name up, it might finally answer a Gates question. I'm going to say Courtney Walsh, the big fella. Incorrect. Oh dear. A little bit of showboating, possibly there. Courtney Walsh took upwards of 500 test match wickets. Dennis Lilly. Oh my goodness. Not Dennis Lilly either, it is Mackay Nintini. He took 390 <laughs> test wickets for South Africa and an average of 28.82 across the 90s and 2000s. I didn't uh, think of him. Oh, was that um? Was that another? Have you been paying attention in 2009? Was it? Come on, mate. The kind of he took on, on almost 400 Test match wickets. He was he was part of a very solid um, South African bowling cartel with Sean Pollock and early in his career, Alan Donald, uh, Andre Nell. The fiery Andre Nell was there for a little bit. He had a very distinguished career. But boys, secondly, crossing to the BBL. Okay, who was the top wicket taker of the last BBL season? Nice, Gary. Uh, Rashid Khan. Incorrect. It was not the Afghanistani and leggy. Oh dear. I'm just going to go Nathan Cool tonight. I can't think of the kid's name that I'm actually thinking of. I can't believe it. What is going on? Not the Thunderbolt from the Scorchers either. It was Daniel Sams from the Sydney Thunder. He took 30 wickets for the Sydney Thunder to set a new competition record. He had a brilliant uh, BBL 09 campaign. Well, I'll add that round of trivia to my growing tally of ducks. Speaking of tallies, Zach, that takes you the 24, Komen 27, and I'll round us out on 31. Close the gap a little bit. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried now, not gonna lie, not gonna lie. I'm also a little bit worried because my sure thing last week for the third week in a row was for the Blues to win and two out of the three weeks it has not gotten up. <laughs> so, so that's $5 in. Bad week, to, bad series to go in that run. It's a terrible series for it. So that is $5 in the Crowd Catch Pundits Club from myself. Jimmy, I think you'll also uh, have to pay up. Yeah, I went along the Blues winning route as well and went Nathan Cleary to be player of the series, but that obviously didn't eventuate. <laughs> Zachary, you're the only one who got your sure thing right. So how about you kick us off for this week? That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I'm the only one who's not having to reach for my back pocket uh, because I tipped the Melbourne Stars to beat the Hobart Hurricanes in the WBBL. As for this week, my sure bet is Valtteri Bottas to finish on the podium at the Bahrain Grand Prix this week. He is second behind Lewis Hamilton on the 2020 leaderboard and had a shocker in wet and wild conditions in Turkey last week. So he'd certainly be wanting to fight back strong. What are you boys laughing at? Where's he born? That might be a trivia next week. I was actually think I was actually thinking of making that a trivia question this week. <laughs> <laughs> and I could tell you I could tell you Finland, Valtteri Bottas. Anyway, pressure cooker. I've got in the pressure cooker new North Melbourne coach David Noble. And crossing from Brisbane to North, he's inherited an ageing and very poor kangaroos list. But the board's challenge for him is to actually make the top four, to make the Roos a top four side inside three years. This is, of course, also David Noble's first head coaching role in the AFL. So he's definitely got a mammoth task ahead. And lastly, boys, my one to watch is Steve Smith in the ODIs and T20s coming up. He averaged only 25.91 in a very disappointing 2020 IPL campaign. And I'm expecting this champion batsman to bounce back from his form slump in convincing fashion. Well, I'll jump in and go next because all mine are cricket related for our first show of the cricket season. My sure thing is for Mitchell Stark to take five wickets over the first two ODIs. 
My pressure cooker is Aaron Finch for a very similar reason. Another failed IPL campaign for him, which even saw him dropped, I believe, for some of them, possibly all of, the, all of the remaining games for his club. So he comes back disgustingly out of form. And my one to watch is David Warner. I mentioned earlier in the call, he has traditionally been a flat track bully, particularly to the subcontinent countries when they come out to Australia. We saw it firsthand last year when he tore Pakistan to shreds, including a massive 300 at the Adelaide Oval. I think if he can find form in this white ball cricket, it'll be very ominous signs for India with the test matches to come. Yeah, very nice. And as Jack moves us on to cricket, I'm going to linger in the rugby and rugby league world. Uh, as, uh, <laughs> for my sure bet this week, brought it up in trivia. I'm going St. Helens to win the Super League Grand Final. Um, in the pressure cooker, I've got New Zealand this week. Um, they're up against Argentina again after losing famously not too long ago. Um, it's a very proud rugby nation and they expect nothing other than winning. So um, they will be under immense pressure from the entire country on Saturday afternoon when they take on Argentina to get the win against the Pumas and react some revenge. Um, and my one to watch, as I mentioned, the Super League Grand Final, it's James Graham's last ever game. Everyone, uh, in a, as a rugby league fan here in Australia, will know James Graham. It'll be his 420th first grade appearance. He currently has a broken nose. Um, so he'll be playing his, his final ever appearance um, with a broken nose. And uh, many will know he has an absolutely appalling record in grand finals. He's lost six grand finals in his career. So to go out with a grand final win to cap off an amazing 420 first grade games um, would just be a fitting way to end the career of James Graham. So watch that one. It would be. And speaking of capping off, thanks, Jimmy. That caps off another episode of the Crowd Catch. And uh, so excited to jump on the lounge, chuck the aircon on and watch the Aussies do battle with India. Another huge shout out to Josh Hazelwood, who will be in action for coming on the Crowd Catch. Speaking of the Crowd Catch, keep your eye on the ball, not just this week, but all summer, because you never know when another Crowd Catch may just come your way.